Welcome to the People of Canterbury Baptist, a podcast where we meet the people of Canterbury Baptist Church in Melbourne, Australia, hear their stories and explore ideas relevant to our church and community. My name is Stephen and for today's episode, let's conclude our conversation with Jim. Hello, Jim. Welcome back to the People of Canterbury Baptist podcast. Thank you for having me back. It's good to be here. Looking forward to uh, to uh, continue my conversation with you. Now, we actually did a fairly thorough trace through the experiences of your life, particularly focused on your movement to different countries and yep. your experiences of school and then your entry into the profession that you're now a part of. But mm-hmm. I, we didn't touch on your faith experience at all. So I thought actually just to start this conversation, let me go back. Sure. Was church a part of your childhood years? Yeah, it was. It was. Mum was always the, the spiritual centre of the house. Um, and my earliest memories of um, time in Chicago and, and time in Melbourne were um, the Methodist Church in uh, in the US, in Chicago, um, very much centre of the community at the time. My older brother and sister were involved in um, in youth group there and, uh, and a lot of musicals and things that were done in the church. Uh, that's where I did all my Sunday school. And then when we came to Melbourne, we ended up at... Um, North Baldwin Methodist Church for for a number of years up on Doncaster Road, um, and yeah, that's where my early um, Sunday school recollections come from, I guess. And, and a fairly positive experience. Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, I certainly remember some Sunday mornings when you'd sort of see if you could get up and get out of the house before. Mum got us all organised for church, and then you'd be in trouble for not not going. But look, on on the whole, yeah, it was a it was a positive experience. Yeah. I mean, how about your father? Was was he in any way connected with church? Um, look, I'd have to say, Dad went along with church with Mum. Uh, I and that's why I say Mum was really the the spiritual centre of the family. Um, my mother's mother, so my grandmother, um, was was quite spiritual. Um, but no, it was it was mainly mum and, and dad was involved, but um, but I wouldn't say he was the one that really drove the, the faith in the family. And outside of church, was there much in the way of expressions of faith uh, inside the home? Um, no, not really. I mean, it, it was always um, grace before a meal. We'd sit down around the, the dinner table and, and someone would say grace growing up. Um, but that that was really about it. There was there was no sort of family devotions or or anything like that that I can I can recall. Um, Mum and Dad were both reasonably heavily involved in in the church in terms of uh, volunteer work and and um, giving up their time. Particularly Mum, I said earlier that she was a, a housewife, but she did spend a lot of time getting involved in church activities. She was heavily involved in in Lifeline and and some of those sort of volunteer activities as well. And so for you as a young person, church, I guess, functionally is a social group for you, a place where you go and you meet with people and you do good works and you contribute in, into the community. Yeah, very very much so. Um, you know, the scout group that I was involved in was was at the local church and um, you, you'd be trying to do things. Uh, I remember going on, you know, selling cookies door to door to raise money for the, for the youth group or, or that kind of thing. So, yeah, we're heavily involved in that. Um, was there a point in which you began to either own or maybe push away from faith? So either own it as, as your more personal expression as opposed to something given to you by, by your parents or begin to question or push away? At that young age, no. So, um, you know, with mum, it was very much an inherited faith. I'd sort of inherited um, the faith through her um, and didn't really feel a strong connection. Now, 
as part of the Methodists and the Baptist Church, they were all very family-oriented church, churches, uh, and that was important to us. When we went to South Africa, the school that we were going to was uh, an Anglican school and very strict Anglican um, services. The ironic thing is we were at church or we had a church service every day except Sunday. So we were, um, every morning there'd be at least a 15 to 20 minute service. We were going to school on Saturday mornings in South Africa. So so Wednesday was sort of a half day of schoolwork and half a day of sports. Saturday it was about a half a day of schoolwork and then, and then sports in the afternoon. Every Wednesday we would have a full Anglican Mass um, as part of your first period of, of studies, if you like. And I remember at the time it uh, it became all about the robes and the incense and, you know, walking in with the Bible held up above your head and being asked, well, in effect, being forced to kneel when you pray, which to me I never did. As, as part of my upbringing in a, in a Baptist or a Methodist church, you you would just pray as a group. You'd, you'd sit around in a circle, you'd, you'd um, share your prayers, you'd pray, quiet, pray quietly. But in the Anglican Church, we were basically told we had to kneel to pray. I never felt comfortable doing that. It, it probably sounds a funny thing to, to sort of make a stand on looking back now, but at the time it wasn't me. So I guess what I'm trying to say is ultimately it became about the events around the worship, not about the worship. And at the time that, that pushed me away. So, so that's, I guess, through those high school years um, in South Africa, that's when, when we drifted away from the church. So this is around middle teenage, 14, 15, 16-year-old. Correct, yeah. Oh. So mum had passed away. It was no longer part of our group. Now, when we went back to Chicago after, after mum had passed away, um, dad still encouraged us to get involved in the church, and my brother and I played basketball on a, on a church team. Uh, we, did, uh, we were part of a youth group in the church, but kind of felt we were going through the motions, never really felt a, a personal connection to faith at that stage. Did your mother's passing cause you to question faith at all or question God at all? No, no, I don't, I don't remember ever thinking that or having, having those, um, those sort of thoughts. Um, I think I mentioned earlier there were times when I sort of thought, why did it happen to us? Why, why did we lose a mum? Why, why do other people have a mum and I didn't at that stage? Um, but no, I never felt that it was something God had done or, or I felt angry about it or that, no. So in South Africa, this experience of a more ritualised form of, of faith, one which was, as you said, less family orientated, I guess less service orientated, mm. and more about the ceremony and, and the ritual and, and the liturgy, for you that was deeply off-putting. Correct. Am I hearing you correctly? It was off-putting to the point that you then... What, what, what's the correct word? Did you reject church or did you just say, no, this particular kind of church is not for me? Yeah. How did you process that? I, I probably felt like, yeah, that, that type of church was not for me. Now, I still had a faith in me. I still, um, you know, I'd, I'd silently pray from time to time and, and if I was struggling with something, I might turn, um, turn to prayer for, for an answer. Um, but never really the sort of, deep faith and understanding that I feel I have today. Um, but there was nothing sort of linking me back to the church. There was nothing that I I felt pulling me back or there was no one who was helping guide me back at that stage. 
So did you end up just, just going to your dad one day and say, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to go to church anymore, that's it, I'm done? No, we, we weren't going to church as a family okay. at that stage. Uh, as, as I said, we, we had the service as part of schooling, so that was, that was it at this stage. So, so a dad and, and my stepmother at that stage, they weren't, uh, weren't going to church. And so, so basically your experience was you were continuing to go to the school, you were, attendi- you were continuing to be made to sit through six services a week, mm-hmm. And you'd already reached a point by now in which you said, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. So was there a sense of resentment growing within you, a sense of I'm being made to do this thing that I don't actually like or agree with anymore? Yeah, well, as I mentioned, where it sort of came out of me was being forced to kneel to pray. That that was the, the one place where I felt like I was making a little bit of a stand. Excuse the pun. Um, which means literally you stood when everyone else knelt? Was no, it? I sat. Okay. I just sat in, and, and, and I'd, I'd lean forward, I'd bow my head, I'd, I felt I was respectful, but I just didn't feel the need to kneel. That wasn't what I'd been taught and wasn't how I'd been, been taught to pray. Um, so I guess at that stage when we no longer had to go to church through, uh, through school, then, then we, did, we did drift away. It just wasn't part of our, part of our lives. Um, when we came to Melbourne, was living with my sister and, and her husband at that stage. They, they weren't churchgoers. Um, so, again, there was just no connection back into the church. So while we've got you back in South Africa, let me just slightly change the topic. Mm, sure. You were there in the mid or early mid-80s. Yeah. This is apartheid era. Correct. Do you have any memory of apartheid era South Africa as a young person? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I felt, you know, having lived in Melbourne, lived in um, – Chicago, quite a few coloured people in Chicago. It's just part of part of life. You get to know them. And then when we were in Germany with at the, um, I mentioned there were a lot of army kids there. There were all sorts of nationalities. And as a kid, you just don't look at that. You just okay. There's another kid. He can catch a ball when I throw it. I can catch it when he throws it. And let's go and have some fun. And that's as simple as that. Some of my earliest recollections were in South Africa, where we went to this school. We were incredibly blessed to be going to such a um, exclusive school. I don't know how many students there were. I'll say three, four hundred across the the high school years, and I think there were three blacks there on scholarship. And um, we actually had some friends, kids that we'd gotten to know, who had been taught the hatred and the bigotry that comes with apartheid. apartheid. And and that was what they had been taught and what they believed. And and when they would make comments or, or disparaging remarks about um, someone because of their colour, just could not get my head around it. Um, the experience of of sitting on a bus or a, or a park bench with a little sign that says whites only, I, I'd sort of look at it and think, what does that mean? It, it just was not part of the way that we were brought up. So it, it, was, it was a real eye-opener to see that sort of um, um, hatred, I think, is probably the right word. Um, purely based on someone's race, just yeah. And this this part of your life in South Africa, you I mean you're at a very exclusive school. I presume that you're that you're largely inside a very white community. Correct. Um, did did you then? Was this for you such a big issue that that even making friends with with these like it, it became something of a barrier between you and the people around you? No, I don't. I don't think it did. And and looking back, I I never made a stand or I never made comments when I heard things that I just didn't feel right. And and arguably I should have. But at the time, no, I was getting to know kids. We were, we were having fun together, and and life went on. Um, 
but looking back in hindsight, then yeah, it's probably something I should have I should have stood up for more. So I guess now it's something I'm certainly a lot more conscious of. Um, and, and so mm. th- that experience in South, South Africa, you do think, has shaped you even to today and has framed the way that you look at the world because of what you saw back then. I believe so. Yeah. And, and not just South Africa, but all of the um, things that I was exposed to growing up, the different cultures, the different people, different places. And and I remember Dad saying to me once that, that one of the things that he was most proud of was that, to me, different wasn't good or bad. It was just different. And and he had instilled that into us. And, and um, it's still important to me today that – regardless of someone's background, their gender, their colour, their creed, whatever else it might be, they're still people. And and we treat everyone with the same respect. You treat everyone with the same, um, um, you know, level of love that we're taught through through Jesus' teaching. And, and absolutely that was part of that uh, that learning in me growing up, yeah. So obviously it's, at some point you reconnect back to faith, but is that before or after you met your now wife? It was after. Okay, so let's start with your wife, and then and, sure. and then we'll work our way up to get reconnecting with faith. So, yep. so, so how did you meet Christine? So, um, Christine actually used to work for my sister, and uh, she was on the fifth floor of the building we were in. I was working on the sixth floor of the building, and every now and again, I'd be lucky enough to take something down to the fifth floor and <laughs> met this young lady at the the reception desk down there, and and got to know her a little bit. And, and that was before I knew she was working for my sister at that stage, I think, and then. You know, made the connection, got to know each other. Um, the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> and you have, have two children together? We do. Two boys, um, Nicholas, who's now 22, and Thomas, who's 19. So fast forward to so here you are, you're married, um, you're building a career in the IT computer industry, yep. t- taking on more responsibilities, learning more skills in that area. Life is sort of playing out in front of you. Yep. Um, at some point you then reconnect back to church. So what was your journey back to church and ultimately your journey back to faith? Um, Christine played a huge part in it. So at the time, um, November 1999, Nicholas was born. Um, And when Nick was born, um, I, I can't even remember what triggered the discussion, but Chris and I at one stage agreed together that we wanted him baptized or we wanted him um you know, accepted into the church somehow. So, so Christine's not here, so she can't tell her story. But she had some sort of church background. Uh, her father was quite was an atheist, so he he was very negative towards the church. Um, but so she had some background, but but I wouldn't say she was brought up in a Christian family by any means. So, so do you know where this idea of having having your son baptized came from? I can't answer that question for her now. It, it was it was something that she always talks about a level of a level of comfort and a level of knowing that okay, we've done everything we can. Should anything happen to him as a young child, that he's been I don't know what the right word is, blessed, baptized, accepted into the church. And that was important to her. And I guess at the time that kind of triggered a spark in me that had been there for a long time and thought, yeah, I like that idea. I'd like to get involved in that. So then, how did you move on, move forward from there? So, um, so Nicholas, as I said, was born in in November '99. Um, we decided, and it was the Labor Day long weekend in March the following year, um, that we would go looking for a church, and we'd we'd try and find somewhere where we felt comfortable, 
um, that we'd get him. At the at the time, we thought it was baptized because we weren't weren't quite sure what the correct process was. And uh, and we thought, okay, we'll go out. We we'll look for a church. We were living in Surrey Hills, just off Canterbury Road, and um, and we'd driven past here hundreds of times. And there used to be signs out the front that said "Visitors Welcome." Very simple little. Um, you know, sandwich board type sign that was out the front. And we found out later that Rob Hand and, and probably Peter Geddes and a couple of others used to put these out every week. Anyway, Christine happened to, they caught, they caught her eye and she said, yeah, I like those signs. Let's go in and have a look. So we thought, okay, it's the first church we've tried. We'll go and see what it's like. So long weekend, um, 2000, we came in here. We were immediately greeted by, um, I still remember Rob Hand, Peter Geddes, um, and, and a couple of others that, that came to us at the door, welcome, great to see you, have you been here before, really pleased you're here, made us feel very comfortable, uh, went in and sat down with a, what was he at that age, three-month-old baby. Um, we're told, I don't know how many times, don't worry about the noise, he's fine, we love having babies in the service and that that's all good. Um, so we sat down, uh, Chris Barnum was the, the um, uh, minister at the time, and um, we just felt comfortable. It was immediately walking through the door and that first service we sat through was what I remembered church being when I was a child. And, uh, and we, there were other young families, there were other young kids um, in the church. So we thought, yeah, this, this seems okay. We'll come back the next week. And, and we did. We came back the next week and immediately at the, at the door, uh, Rob Han, Pete Geddes, came up to us again and said, how are you? It's great to see you back. They called us by name. And we just immediately felt comfortable here. And what are we now? 22 years later, we're still here. So we never ended up getting to the second church to see what it was like. <laughs> so so it was through wanting, and, and eventually we, we had Nicholas de- dedicated um, in the church and, and Thomas a few years later when he came along, we had his dedication here as well. Um, the boys both went through um, Sunday school when, when um, the Venstres were here running running the, the kids' club back then. Um, and while the boys were growing up, it became a big part of our lives and we were very yeah, very happy, very comfortable here. And, and again, I say it was triggering in me what I remember as a, as a church, as a kid, family-oriented, very open, not too worried if the kids made a bit of noise, um, and just felt comfortable, and it always has been ever since. This is your connection back to church. So this was the moment where you began to come back to church, but that's a bit of a different experience to connecting to faith. Correct. And if I can be so bold, it sounds like up to this point maybe you haven't had a faith. You've just you've had positive church experience and then a particularly negative one. Yep. At what point did you did, did you go from being a church attender to someone who actually put your faith in Jesus? What was that transition point for you? I can't put a, a finger on it actually happening, but now looking back 20 years ago, I can see how how in me God was using Nicholas and that idea in Christine to draw me back into the church, and, and that was the trigger that brought me here. And once we were here and we started to get to know people, started to get involved in church activities, there were some you know church camps, I got involved in the, the technology and the sound desk at the time, which was... Um, you know, nothing like what it is today, but at the time it did the job. You'd come in an hour early and set up the speakers and get everything up and running. Um, so I was I was involved that way. Um, 
Christine was involved in um, renovating the the kitchen, and, and she sort of helped project manage that. and And that was the church was a big part of our lives. We then got involved in a small group, and and I remember oh, I don't know this must have been the best part of twenty years ago, maybe about eighteen years ago. Um, Christine said to me one day, "Oh, the the Cortels have invited them, invited us along to this small group." And I said, so, "Okay, what's what's a small group? I hadn't had any experience of that." She sort of said, oh, not really sure, but Lyndall said it would be good fun. Okay, let's give it a go. (laughs) Anyway, we went along and and the rest is history. We've been involved in small groups and it was probably through that small group that that my faith really started to grow. So it was the studies that we did. It was the the small connection um, with with the the people in the small group um, at the time. We ended up hosting one at our place for for a long period of time. We were involved with the Chessel small group for a little while, and 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 it was through that um, that study, that learning, that that faith grew in me. And and I guess that's where I started to understand, hey, this there's more to this than just turning up on a Sunday morning and and sort of having someone that you can you can talk to from time to time and say a little prayer because things aren't going well. And and that I think is what triggered that that faith in me. And that's when, um, over time, that personal faith really grow and, and it's grown into what it is today. If I can take you to today, now, here you are, we're sitting across from each other having this conversation. If I was to say to you, faith, uh, your faith, what is it about faith in Jesus that today you find to be enlivening and enlightening for you? I guess to me, it, it gives things meaning. It gives it gives life meaning. It it gives life a purpose. Um, it gives you a. Uh, it gives me a um, a center to focus things on. Um, to know how to behave in situa- situations. To know how to react. To know how to treat people. I think all of that was in me, and and I know that I learnt all of that through the Sunday school lessons that most of us have heard. Um, but it was then starting to understand it a bit better that 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 really that faith grew um, to the point now where I know that I'm not in control of things. I never will be. We don't understand why things happen, um, but I know that God is in control. But that doesn't mean I can make sense of everything that happens. And bad things still happen to good people, and 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 unfortunately, that's life. But I take great comfort in the understanding that. I do not have God's perspective, and and as long as I'm on this earth, I never will. But my faith says I'm okay with that, and and I guess that's really the the level of of comfort and understanding that that, that the faith is has become to mean or what it's become to mean to me. You've been coming to Canterbury Baptist Church for 22 years, so that uh, that's a fair amount of experience within uh, the, the life of the church. And I guess this is an opportunity for you to speak to the congregation at Canterbury Baptist Church. Is there, is there a word that you'd like to give to us? Obviously, here we are. We're standing on the cusp of, 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 of a bit of a new journey for us. Are there things that you'd like to remind us of or just thoughts that, that come to your mind, thoughts of encouragement, maybe thoughts of challenge? Are there just particular thoughts that uh, you, you would like to take this opportunity to share with us as a congregation? Yeah, I don't know that there's any one thing that really jumps out at me. Um, but, but the things that are important to me, and, and this probably sounds a bit funny because I'm not here every Sunday, but it's it's the way that we take care of each other and support each other. Um, 
to me, the small group is really important. And, and that group that I'm part of, and I feel so blessed to be part of such a strong group and, and have been for the majority of the groups been together for a number of years, um, just that connection and knowing that that group is there to support each other and to help each other is, is absolutely critical. So if you're not part of a small group, get involved. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely critical, I think, in, in growing my faith. Um, but it's, it's the families and the young people coming through that just mean so much and are just going to continue to build this church. So whatever we can do to help encourage um, young families to come into the church, like Christine and I were 20 years ago, um, it's just become such a huge part of our lives that if there's anything that can be done or anything that any of us can do to, to help encourage that, that's, that's what, I'd, what I'd do. Jim, it's been an incredible privilege just to uh, be able to walk this journey with you. Thank you for being so transparent and so willing just to share share your life with us. And I'm sure for the people listening here at Canterbury Baptist Church, I'm sure they would have learned some things about you maybe they, they didn't know before, but hopefully they've also been encouraged by your perspective and experience among us. Oh, thank you, Stephen. I really appreciate the time. I've enjoyed this evening and, and having a bit of a chat. So, um, yeah, hopefully there is something there that maybe will trigger a conversation next time I bump into someone. I'd like that. And thank you to everyone who has tuned in to listen. This podcast is produced and presented by Stephen Field on behalf of Canterbury Baptist Church, Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email cbc at canterburybaptist.org. If you're a member or regular attender of this church, how about you get in touch with Jim directly and thank him for his contribution today? The music is a song, The First Step, by Andrew Naylor from his album, Two Stones. This album is available wherever you purchase or stream your music. Join us next time as we continue our chats with the people of Canterbury Baptist.